Nella? Can you hear that? No squibbling. Okay. I've been hearing people going, oh, come on. Really? That's what you do in your art sessions? Scribble is important. It's such an important uh, ingredient of art making. Why? Well, um, if you feel energy, in a scribble, you can put everything in your hands, your body, just it's all movement. It's releasing of energy. Yeah. It's, it, it loosens you up. Yes. It, it bypasses the rational mind, the judge and the critic, which is worried. People, when they come to this idea of do a drawing or the painting or do some art, are worrying about the quality of what they're doing. They're already measuring with people they've seen in a gallery. And this scribbling is releasing you from that. And it's connecting you Definitely. to the page and to this tool that you have in, this, in your hand, the extension of your hand. Definitely. Speaking to people who are going to start out. This whole thing uh, is like a birthday present. You open it up and you've got to find, have your own surprises. And there's also taking a line and you can do it after a scribble. You can just keep going for continuity and take a line, curving around like you're going through a journey outside for a walk. It's that kind of meandering or like your synapses firing off and you can discover if, what these shapes are and you've developed those shapes. And that is really just a way to get you going. And I want to leave that because yeah. the discoveries on the way are fantastic. And you know, you just, you just reminded me of something that I read a while ago where it says, remember the miracle is when artists share with others. We are sharing with each other. We are sharing with the world. We are sharing with people that seeking those questions, you know, how do you start? You don't have to worry about how you start. You really do not. You just have to do it. You just do it in whatever way it's available to you. You can use a piece of paper, a canvas. You can use your tabletop. You can use whatever, just, but just do it. The miracle is we are sharing it with you, but then it, you're going to be doing the work. I, I suppose I'm going off my own experience and maybe, maybe people don't have that kind of inhibition. Last time we were talking about uh, how I was doing these portraits that were incredibly detailed and were reassuring me that I had these skills. But I remember, you know, and I don't know if you ever had this, but I remember having a feeling of real dread of maybe exposing myself if I didn't have some kind of external world mm -hmm. to go from. And I had an enormous sense of inhibition about approaching the page. I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't know where to begin. Yeah. Well, because, because at that moment you had fear of yeah. what others were going to judge you by. And uh, many others fear that, of yeah. exposing themselves, whether uh, they're doing it right or whether they have any education in the arts. There's so many, so many things that come to surface in, a, in an artist's life that, and I shouldn't say in an artist's life, in, in, a, in a person in general, because fear is universal. You don't have to be an artist to feel that fear. But uh, since we're talking about art, regardless how good you are, you have to be aware. 
you have to really identify the uh, fears that you have. Scribbling, really, we count that as a mistake, don't we? It's something that we do to get our pens working. Maybe we doodle when we're on the phone or we treat it as not very important, as inconsequential. So the scribbling gives you a lightness, a sense of freedom, a sense of not having to live up to any expectation. That's very important. And since we're talking about non-representational art here, it's a, a route into yourself rather than the outside world. And it's a, just a way of loosening up. And one of the things, the major things that I learned was that it, it allowed for mistakes and accidents. And after a while of doing that, and I think if you, if you pick up and just start doing this, be a scribble or a line or, or just splashing color around, you get used to the idea of that there are no mistakes. I agree with you. And that's, that's also, mistakes are blessings, actually. Yes. That's what I tell the other artists as well. And I had to learn that on my own. Yes. When a mistake became the painting. And how, did you, how did that happen? Can you remember learning this? Um, I've had so many of those mistakes. I'm actually praying for mistakes. <laughs> I'm trying to remember one of the big ones. I spilled a, um, a cup of mineral spirit on the canvas, which was almost finished to the point that I thought was finished. I said, okay, what am I gonna do now? So I took a t-shirt and I was trying to uh, absorb the mineral spirit. When I saw that the t-shirt, all the cotton, was making some imprint in the canvas. This beautiful imprints just came in the canvas. So I picked up the, the uh, T-shirt and I started throwing it with, with energy to the canvas. And I saw these beautiful designs coming out that I said, wow, I, that was just from a mistake. Yeah. I ended up actually selling that painting and I thought it was just going to be the base, but it was incredible because I already was already a painting, but the mineral spirit worked miracles. And the T-shirt, an old T-shirt, was the one that designed it. So that was one. And I have many, many more. I had a similar situation. I was doing these spot paintings or petal paintings. I just loved the way they came out so perfectly. I really liked the way this was going. And then I skidded, I do them on the floor. I skidded, <laughs> went crashing down. <laughs> and, there, and there was this blurred line just was <clears throat> And then all this frustration and feeling. This is the thing, this I think is this. I think that's, Ah, this has got me onto a whole thinking now. That frustration and feeling was actually really exciting. Suddenly injected a whole piece of drama into this because I had to battle this. You know, just calm down. It's a, it's a painting for God's sake. It's just paint. But it was interesting, the experience. And then looking and saying, that's interesting, what I'm looking at right now. It's almost like it signposts 
a need for change. But you've been doing this, you know, approach for a while. And now you're getting introduced to another level, another direction. It's some kind of interception. There is a feeling that there is something else working in this. In your paintings, in your work, uh, you say that you see figures. I have had a book where I got interested in this idea of being able to divine or interpret what I was producing, which were shapes as people and creatures and things. Yes. Do you ever develop any of them? What do you mean develop? Whenever I see an image, usually you can see when you stand so far away from it, you can see, you know, a lot of figures. Many times what I'll do is I made a long stick and I taped a brush at the end of it so that I can see the shapes being far away. And then I just outline the shape with some uh, mineral spirit, you know, paint or whatever. You can use whatever. So that way there, I see the, the image or the figure, whatever it may be. And then it will just give me another, I would just say another start to the painting. Because the painting is speaking to me, right? Yes. It's up to us whether we like to leave the painting the way it is. You see the imagery and you just leave it there and you don't do anything, or you can develop the imagery by, by outlining it and see what it brings you. Outlining it defines it more, makes it more of a shape. Right. Incredible stories will develop. It, that's the amazing part. That's the thing that really shocks me most of the times because I feel, how did that happen? It could be uh, mistakes that I've made because it wasn't my intention to create the painting that way, but it's the painting that is painting itself. But when you do art and you do it from within, the, the painting really paints itself. And it's not even my decision because color that speaks to me. So it's not like I said, okay, here I'm setting up my paints, the warm and the cool. I'll just go and pick up whatever I want in that moment. I just wanted to know, how would you deal with that? I'm just going to put a large piece of paper up on a wall. I like it on the wall. I am very free to move around and somehow standing makes me pay attention. And it feels like a whole body experience. The color will spring to me. I won't worry too much about that. I won't worry about the implement. I won't worry about the medium. Just take it and start. And then I'll do lines. And as you say, shapes will appear out of those brush strokes. I will see things emerge. One of the paintings that I really like, it's these two creatures on a spaceship. And it's not really a literal spaceship, but they've obviously got space helmets on. And that just came out from a movement and you're so fluid by this time because you're, you're so connected with your surface, so happy to just let it flow. It can be anything. The feeling is it can be anything it wants to be. I'm not directing this, which, which is also, I, I believe, is your approach. I'm not directing it, and, but something will emerge. And I think, ah, a couple of years. Let's, it's, mm-hmm. As it's flowing, I think, yeah. And always that dot. When you put a dot, you've got an eye. It's just so easy. You know, and then you've got a profile. So, yes, it, it emerges. And then that inspires another thing and another thing. But that, that idea of a stick... Explain that to me a bit more. I don't quite understand 
is up close and there's distance and that's that's important I'm talking about paints, right? So I already have a couple of layers of paint. When I'm painting on the easel, I just have to move back and forth from, from the distance is when I see the shapes. Okay. But in order for me to do the outline of the shapes, I still have to be distant because when I get closer, I don't see them anymore. So what I developed is uh, this long bamboo stick that it's hollow. I stick a, a brush in it and I put some duct tape around it and that's what I use. So since the the brush is quite far away from your hand it creates quite a looseness because there's less control. Yeah. Yes exactly. I'm wondering if this is true. If you're very very close up you're immersed in the situation and you're less logical and rational. It's when you zoom out when you get a distance on it you start to see patterns taking shape and that's using your more rational side of the brain. So it seems to me that you, what you're talking about is you're moving in and out of these states. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I do the same thing if I have these big canvases, very big, that I just put them on the floor. They're just big rolls of, um, and I will work on the floor. And the only way I can do that is with a long stick and just throw paint down and see what the paint does. It's amazing, you know, it's just, it's truly a pleasure to work with pigments and see what the color does, how it mixes with the other colors and it's a relationship, it's a connection that you get. It's a conversation, it's our conversation with color, yes. with motion. With form, it's shape. The discovery, it's the excitement is, in the mystery, what's going to be next? It's, it's having that connection with the work and say, what are you going to do next? It's not me doing it. What are you going to do next? How are you going to direct me next? I wasn't always like this, but now that I'm painting this way, there's no way of going back to the old way. Why not? Uh, because whenever I want to do a painting that has as let's say a more traditional painting i'm more confined i'm more careful and i just don't want to be careful with my work i just want to be free when i do a traditional painting i i've done it and my seascapes it's a different story because i i treat them the same as my abstract work but I've done it because I wanted to show others. I am this way now, but this is the way I was before. In my mind was that fear again, that I want you to know that I'm able to do traditional work. I don't feel like that anymore, but that's... No. You know. And I think there is something in us that says, oh, why does it have to be that way? Why, why couldn't we have been freer as children and just continued on? You know, we were freer as children. I remember a gallery owner one time had uh, one of my abstracts and uh, she, she brought it back after a couple of months and uh, she, she had other works, but this particular piece was very abstract. And she says, now I don't want to offend you, but one of uh, a mom with her child came and she says, you know, I just don't understand abstract. My child can do that. And I said, you know something? Next time, just please reply, yes, your child can do that, but can you do that? We're talking about 
the kind of paintings that can baffle people because it's not always of things. You're talking about images appearing right? Not, not resisting that. And yes, I, I, I've been through that where I thought, oh, a landscape, it gives itself to a landscape. Oh, it gives itself to a human being. And it seemed like that was always the fork in the road with this kind of painting that we're talking about. And this kind of painting that we're talking about, if you know the history of art, is not anything new. We're not talking about anything new here. In the history of art and the development of art since photography came in and the artists didn't have to be so representational. We started moving away from realism. There were all sorts of movements have come about that are describing the kinds of approaches that, that you can do. And I, I'm loath to use the words for them. The, the point of this, the mystery of this, the collaboration that you're talking about, the way things are emerging, the way that you feel that your paintings through the process of making them are speaking to you and you're being guided or you're collaborating with something invisible. That's exactly what it is, something invisible. So going back to photography really freed the artist to be the way we are now. Thank goodness that, you know, we had the Renaissance and all the different periods because that was the way the history was recorded, the way they dressed, the way the landscape was. And so we are blessed that we have that art. We don't need that anymore because we do have photography. We just, with our phone, we can take magnificent images of anything, but it is that connection that we get from the universe when we are painting the way we are. My kid could paint that. I think that hangs over um, a lot of artists that are, no lo- that are not interested in doing representational art. And when people come and they see these shapes and there's abandonment to, the, to it and it doesn't seem to have any care in it, that's a whole debate. And you can really go down there. In the end, you feel like you're trying to justify yourself. You know, when we're talking about scribbles or taking a line, I mean, I'll say this, Paul Clay, everyone knows him for taking a line for a walk. That was his phrase. But to me, when you start to do that, when you think, oh, well, Paul Clay taking a line for a walk. Well, he said it, he did it. It's an approach, it's a thing. Suddenly you have encased that whole idea in a, some kind of a box. Right. And you've created your personal experience. You've somehow reduced it. You've shrink wrapped it. You've dried it out, desiccated it because the idea, I suppose, of a starting point or how you, how you just begin or how you loosen up or how you feel free, whatever technique you want to use, is this is your experience and this is your conversation, never to be diminished by the voices in your head or the, these phrases like, my kid can paint that. It really diminishes joy. So that's an interesting story that you actually happened, had that happen to you directly. I think that is a compliment as I want to go back to be a child again with my work. Going back to what I said earlier, whenever, if I see an imagery in a painting, it doesn't mean that I have to necessarily develop it, but it is that mystery we were talking about, that connection, that without thinking something happened in the painting there, there is a, a, a figure that just emerged. That's what I call the magic for me. But even if I was to develop that, I, I will still find it 
is limiting me, is limiting my process, then I would just cover it. I have to have enough courage how do, you, just how, do you, how do you know it's limiting your process at that point? Because now at that point, if I want to develop it, I'm thinking more about it. Right. And I really don't want to think anymore. I just want to go through the process and keep the process progressing. Yes, it's a state of mind that you develop by doing lots of them not overthinking each painting and we have very similar approaches in that we can have a lot on the go and that i find creates this freedom and this flow and this ease where you're not overthinking as you said it's a kind of meditation you're not using that rational judging side of your brain you've told me that you have a technique of sometimes listening to a story i have some books that i listen to one, it's art and fear, for instance. So I will listen to the book while I'm painting. Listening to the book actually is relaxing me and I'm not thinking about the painting. Wow. Okay. And also, it works magic. It really frees you up. How? That, so really, you've really distracted, taken your focus away through your sensory, your auditory, faculties it's like you're bypassing it's another way of bypassing this conscious mind yes uh, and what happens i mean what do you is there is there a kind of painting you do not listening to a story and a kind of painting you do when you're listening to a story yeah, it all depends what my moods what my mood is in that moment i mean most times i would have music but if i if i listen to just music without any words I'm more into, you know, it's relaxing me, but I'm thinking more about the painting and I'm moving along with the music. If I'm listening to music with words, like if I'm listening to an Italian song, for instance, uh -huh. I'm more apt to be thinking about the words and not thinking about the painting. Say you're, you're, you're working on a painting that you've, you know, you've left it and you've come back to it the next day or whenever you've come back to it, do you see a difference in the painting listening to something as opposed to doing it in silence? Or do you, not, do you never paint in silence? Uh, no, I do paint in silence too. Yeah. Uh, there are times when my backdrop is the rain, for instance, or the wind. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. So if, if it's windy and rainy, I have no music on. I, I can really relax with the natural sounds. So if I go back to another painting, let's say I finish a painting and I, it's my observation period and I'll go back the following morning and I say, what on earth was I thinking? It's not finished. So it doesn't matter what I was doing the day before. I would just work it all over again. If the night before I think that the painting that is not working, but then in the morning I go back and I say, you know, actually I'm looking at the painting with, a, with fresh eyes again and I see that the painting is really working well. So you never know really what the reaction is going to be. So it doesn't matter whether I listen to music or a book or whatever the day before and, and the following day, I don't have to go back to that in order to be inspired again. Or to a certain 
state yeah. of mind. Now, at that moment, you will see the painting. Of course, I'm talking about mostly abstract work. Yes. Where, you know, I say the composition for the abstract work, it's at the end, because it's at the end that you see what you need to tweak. Uh, to change very little sometimes it could be just a drop of red or uh, a drop of yellow whatever a shape or uh, they will just finish the painting so going back the following day and you see that it's very it's very quick and other times it just doesn't work it will take you you know I had a painting that it took me two months to finish because it just wasn't working that way, then I had to put it away. I had to turn it around, put it away so that I wouldn't see it. And then when I finally took it back after two months, put it on the easel, I saw the painting right away. And I finished it within two hours. So what happens then? What happens then? Well, Nella, I want to talk to you again. I've got burning questions. <laughs> Thank you.